selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 195. You know what? We haven't said in a really long time, you know, what these episodes are. Very true. (laughs) So if you're new to the podcast, Sinister Sightings are episodes where we read listener stories. So if you have anything you want us to read, whether it's something spooky that's happened to you, something weird, um, a crime that you're connected to, whether it's something local or you know somebody or... Anything strange that your kids say, literally anything that you feel like in the realm of this podcast, you can send it in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Or you can go through the website and do the little contact us. But if you do that, let us know if we can say your name. Yeah, because obviously we'll keep it anonymous if you want us to. Okay, the first one. Kind of spooky, kind of sweet, but definitely a sinister sightings. Hi, it's your favorite village witch here to weird you out with this strange, slightly spooky, wee bit sad, but enduring story. Some quick background, my mom fully believes our house is haunted, but whether it's the land or things are just drawn to where witches dwell and practice, who can say? First off, I'm a stereotype. I've been wanting a black cat since I was in second grade. I wanted my very own little bag of sass and sarcasm like Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. No beta fish or lizard could satisfy me. I was very proud of keeping a bluebelly lizard I found on our fence alive for two years though. I would beg and beg my mom for one, but she never relented. Flash forward to the summer between 4th and 5th grade. My mom decided to give me a dog. One of her coworkers was a dog foster, and she had the perfect match. Cracker was the best dog for my 9-year-old heart. She was an old Chihuahua Terrier mix with a grouchy attitude, one ear up and one down, blonde hair, and a lot of love to give. She was perfect for me, and I was perfect for her. The year after she became mine, my grandma passed away and my mom and I moved back into my grandpa's house. For 18 years, my want for a black cat was put on pause. Here's where the strangeness begins. In the last two years of Cracker's life, my mom and I would see shadows in the hallway. Sometimes they'd be running from the kitchen to the hallway, from the bathroom into her bedroom, or most commonly just crossing from one side of the main hallway to the other. The closer she was to her 19th birthday, the more prevalent and seemingly solid they became. In June of 2020, that hellish apocalyptic year, we finally had to put Cracker to sleep. She was a good old lady and less a pet than a family member. All of a sudden, the shadows seemed to stop too. In August of that same year, I got a notice from a local animal rescue that they had just finished fostering a litter of black kittens that they were having trouble adopting simply because they were black. I jumped at the chance to adopt them. Two weeks later, I adopted my little monsters and they came home with me. Well, at their gangly age of four and five months, their size lined up eerily close to the shadows we had seen. 
their zoomies would take place in the same spots we had seen the shadows and around the same times. Suddenly, we weren't seeing the shadows anymore. I don't know if I was seeing my cats before they were born and the house was having weird time slip or it was the ghosts of their future selves. I fully believe that love doesn't stop when a person or a critter dies. It just changes form. So Cracker's love for me and my love for her became two 11-pound little black cats that stare at ghosts in the hallway and occasionally bring me dead crickets. Hope y'all are doing well, Michael. Okay, I'm so sorry about Cracker's death. You were right. That is a sad story, but endearing. And we've seen those little critters on the Facebook lives you do during Halloween for us when you do our tarot card readings in the Facebook group. (laughs) So crazy how people are so superstitious about black cats that they literally like cannot be adopted. I know. That's so sad because they're so cute. Well, I liked your play on words there, too, when you said my want for a black cat was put on pause. Oh, I didn't even notice that. The only reason I noticed it is because I watched this TikToker. Her name's Ursula, and she'll go in and do, like, she loves, like, Disney villains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so around Halloween and Christmas, she goes to look for certain things. But she'll say, and now for our cat paws, or now for our dog paws, and it's a play on words, and I never even thought about that. Yeah. And so when he did, I was like, oh, Ursula. Cute. Yeah, I never thought of that. Okay, the next one. Hey, fam. My name is Sam. Yes, you can totally say my name. But if you were to assign me a golden girl, I would probably be a mix of Rose and Sophia. I love this podcast. Actually, I've listened to most episodes multiple times because I work from home. And although my pup Riggs is a great coworker, he doesn't love to socialize unless he needs a bathroom break or is hungry. I also don't think English is his first language, but we don't judge here. He knows how to sit and give me high fives when I close deals, so we'll keep him around. I'm not usually one to discuss my paranormal goings-on and sensitivities without alcohol or the devil's grass, but... After listening to many episodes that I relate to and hearing Carrie continue to fear that you might run out of listener stories, I figured I would send in some of mine. I have always felt things around me since I was a kid, and when I first saw the movie The Sixth Sense, a lot of things started making, for lack of a better term, sense. I'm not going back that far in this email, especially since I don't really remember a lot of it, except the feelings were super weird and there were whispers. The real fun started when I leaned into the sensitivities as a teenager in high school, made my own Ouija board, and used a silver dollar that had been my grandfather's as a planchette, and tried to contact the other side, insert something spooky here. Now, picture this Jersey girl in a pretty urban area, streetlight outside my still Minnie Mouse-themed room, asking the universe if anyone was there who wanted to talk to me. There were lots of spirits who wanted to communicate with my little friend who scared the crap out of ourselves every single weekend we could have sleepovers. We dabbled in witchy things and started thinking that we were the shit. Like the craft, but there were only two of us and felt like nothing could touch us. Well, one night we let something in that was not great and two mouthy wannabe angsty little teens thought it would be great to challenge whatever it was. I know right now everyone is screaming dumbass. I know that because that's exactly what I say whenever I hear these stories, but you live and you learn. So I'm going to set the scene. In my Minnie Mouse bedroom, with pink polka dots and green bows on the wall, we start with, how bad can you be? And do something. Show us you're here. The room got cold. I had a shelf filled with collectible bells, and they all started chattering, and my bedroom door opened. We straight up said, thanks, no thanks, said goodbye, and hid the board behind my dresser, because, you know, that would help. That night, we both had nightmares. Something was watching us from the corner of the room, a shadow figure with red eyes. When we woke up the next morning, it was like nothing was wrong. Got up, made ourselves breakfast, and we were going back up to my room. And as we were making our way to the open door, there was a gust of wind from my bedroom. We both audibly heard a guttural get out. 
and then the door slammed. Stunned, we both stood there as my mom was Jersey Italian screaming up the stairs at us to stop fucking around and slamming doors in her house. The angsty teens we were the night before were totally gone. We ran down the stairs holding back tears, apologized to my mom, and ran out the door to hide in the park for a while. We stayed at my friend's house that night. Next, I recently got married in Las Vegas. While there, my husband, woot woot, and I went to the Haunted Museum. What a great time. My husband wasn't exactly excited about going for a few reasons. He's seen the shows enough to know there is a danger to it. Although he does enjoy paranormal and occult stuff in small doses, he thought a two-hour tour would bore him after a while. And finally, I am sensitive and things like to say hi to me. We started our tour with our RIP badges and walking into the hallway, I was a little disappointed. I didn't feel a single thing. Actually felt like the place had recently been staged. So I was kind of let down thinking it wouldn't be the crazy tour I had envisioned. We made our way from room to room and the RIPs were offered to go to the basement. It's a lot smaller than it was on TV because they renovated it and now the Bella Lugosi mirror is at the base of the stairs and I was so excited. We then turned the corner and saw the room where Lady Snake and the White Witch fought in one of the Halloween specials and the satanic rituals were performed. There's a pinnacle on the floor and a spirit box going in the corner. My husband and I entered the room and there was definitely a different feel down there and you could hear mumbling coming from the spirit box, but we couldn't make out the words. My husband seemed pretty excited that he heard something because he doesn't usually experience paranormal anything. The next thing that happened, we were upstairs in a sideshow type room with a guy drilling into his nose. I was definitely freaked out. As I'm watching the show, I feel something on the back of my legs. A lot like when your grandmother is trying to get you out of her way while she's cleaning as she boops the back of your legs with the broom bristles. It happened a few times till I finally flinched and the drill guy looked right at me and smiled, asking if I was good. And I looked at him and was like, yeah. So he laughed and kept going with his whole spiel. So it happened again. I flinched while my husband was looking at me like, what the fuck? You're distracting everyone. And I looked at him and said, she keeps grabbing my legs. Sorry. And the drill guy was like, what did you say? So I was like, I felt something on the back of my leg. And he was like, you said she. And I was like, yeah, I think there's a little girl trying to grab my legs. And he was like, you're absolutely right. He then explained that there was a little girl in this room that they think she came with one of the dolls in the museum, but she likes attention and will poke at people till she's acknowledged. Like, whoa, that was an amazing moment when I was validated that, yeah, I'm actually sensitive and not just crazy or it's not just in my head. The final thing that's worth bringing up is Peggy the doll. Oh my God, I went in and tried to talk to her, said hi, asked a few questions, but there was no response. After a minute or two of just listening to the static and not really feeling anything, I said, thank you for your time and goodbye to Peggy. And she responded with a deep goodbye. I turned and waved at her. I was so happy. There were a few other things, but those are the big things. If you're ever in Vegas, take two to three hours and just go visit. There's a lot of true crime and Hollywood memorabilia, so it's not just for ghost lovers. I do have more stories specifically of my husband's passed on family members and some stuff that's gone on in our new house, but I will save those for another email. So make sure Carrie knows that there will be at least one more email. I love the Facebook group, although I usually only participate when I see someone's having a bad day and they ask for puppy pictures, but I love how everyone's so supportive and fun. Thanks so much for creating a safe space online and a second family. Love you guys, and please don't ever stop being amazing. Hugs and kisses, your Jersey girl living in Connecticut, Sam. Her hubby Ken and Papa Riggs say hi to I would have absolutely shit being the center of attention like that, so no thank you. You know, when the guy was doing the thing. Yeah. 
I do not like those that drill into their nose. No. Swords down their mouth and stuff. Because, you know, I don't ever see that kind of stuff in real life. But on America's Got Talent, I see it. And I have to fast forward because it hurts me. Yes. And I would feel so bad because I would feel like he thought I was not paying attention to him. Yes. And I want to be like, I respect your craft. I just can't watch it, you know? But, I mean, I'm glad you said something because then you did get that validation. Yeah, for sure. And, oh, my God, Peggy, talk to you. Can we talk about Donna's impersonation? (laughs) Y'all couldn't hear me laugh off mic because I had taken it off because my ears were being bothered by my (laughs) headphones. And so I just listened without the mic on and I giggled. (laughs) Or whatever the fuck you did, Marge. Goodbye. Oh, yeah. Again, whatever you did. (laughs) They should have used me for AOL. (laughs) My God. I really do want to go see the museum. Well, you better watch out for Peggy after you did that impersonation of her. true. (laughs) My gosh. gosh. (laughs) Do you know who I'm talking about when we say Marge, Large Marge from uh, Pee Wee Herman? Herman. Did you get that reference in Wednesday when the old lady with the checkered... Uh, yes. I was like, Large Marge, me and Timmy both were like, <gasps> Timmy used to be really freaked out by Large Marge. Used to be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, still. But now she's scared of that smile that I do yeah. more than that. So yeah. it's lost its effect. But I would do that all the time coming back from the casino because mm-hmm. we would go through like Janus, Mississippi, which no street lights kind of thing, like woods on both sides, no cell signal. And she would be like, don't do it. And I would like look over and do my eyes really wide and stuff. Oh, God. The best. Have a best friend, they said. Okay, the next one. Grandmother dream and shadow people, maybe, question mark. Hey, friends who live in my Spotify. This is my second time writing a Sinister Sightings email, but with how often I compose new ones in my mind while listening to episodes, you would think this was my 20th. For reference, my last email was about my MySpace having been hacked, probably by my ex-husband, and my nephew seeing angels with babies, essentially predicting the births of his sister and cousin. My paternal grandmother was an incredibly loving, welcoming soul, and with four living children and well into double digits of grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and we were lucky to have her. She often collected homeless people and what you might call strays, and brought them to church and invited them to our family get-togethers, especially holidays. Mr. Rogers has always reminded me of her, if that gives you a better mental image. Anyway, in her last decade of life, she had dementia and spent a few years at a time living with each of her two daughters and one of her nieces before finishing her last years with my parents. I often visited with my two younger children, and they played with her and enjoyed being with her. She was occasionally lucid around them early on, so they got to see a little of what she was like before. When she passed away, two months after her 100th birthday, we should all be so lucky, the whole family felt a great loss. A few years later, after I had begun the difficult process of shutting my emotionally abusive parents out of my life, I occasionally felt really guilty for abandoning my family, when really most of my family stuck by my parents, so they abandoned me. I had a dream I was at one of the big family get-togethers. I often dream that I can't speak and I open my mouth, try so hard to shout or scream, but nothing but breath comes out and I get more and more anxious. I'm sure there's some deeper meaning about being the scapegoat of the family and being pushed away and never heard, but it happened during the dream and then my grandmother walked in. She was wearing a red and white gingham skirt suit which she always wore brightly colored blazers and skirts and carrying a stack of plastic food containers. And she saw me and she looked right into my eyes and smiled. She didn't say anything, but she communicated everything with her eyes. She was proud of me and she loved me. This hit me especially hard because I was raised rigidly Christian and have been working through the fact that I'm pansexual and non-binary for the past several years, and I sometimes worried that she would have been upset if she found that out. I'm not the only queer member of my family, and she was always good to the older ones, but that's just what my insecurities focused on. But now, I know at least that she still loves me, and she's proud of me for standing up for myself and protecting myself. Now that I've made myself cry, here are my experiences with possible shadow people. 
I have anxiety at night from time to time, which calls me to stay awake as long as possible, constantly looking at every possible little movement or dark patch in my room, and occasionally going to check on my kids in their sleep. Around eight years ago, we were living in an upstairs apartment in a metropolitan area of Middle Tennessee, and I struggled with sleep for several nights in a row at a time because my husband was working night shifts and I was terrified I wouldn't be able to protect our toddler and six or seven-year-old if I fell asleep and something happened. It didn't help matters that my toddler started looking into our bedroom doorway from the living room and pointing and asking, what's that? I would look and ask what she saw and she would shrug. It happened multiple times, and sometimes she looked spooked and would huddle up to me for comfort. I would often set a camera at night to film the doorway of our room because I didn't feel like I could trust my own eyes. What with the tiredness playing tricks on my vision? I would pretend to be asleep after setting it up and wait a while, then check it. I also pointed it at the bedroom door from the living room while watching TV, just in case I may catch what the baby was seeing. I know this all sounds probably unhinged, but I stopped doing it when we moved, if that soothes any worry. I had forgotten about the videos and learned how to set up Google Photos and found all my old pictures and videos from back then, a few years ago. So eventually, I found a video where there is definitely a shadow moving around the ceiling of our living room seen from our bedroom doorway. It made me simultaneously scared and validated. Sometime within maybe three years of us moving to the trailer we live in now, in the middle of absolute nowhere, I started having trouble sleeping again. At one point, I'd been struggling every night, having random shocks of adrenaline for no reason, and just lying in bed, watching our closet just in case, when I saw the dark shape of a human against the wall across from our bed. I flashed the flashlight on my phone at it and it disappeared, leaving the painting hung there that I made years ago of a black wolf. At the time, I laughed to myself it was just the painting I had seen and my mind decided it was a man-shaped shadow, but uh, the painting's still there and I've never seen that shape there again. I can tell the difference. I think my brain accepted that at the time to protect me. What I saw at the time was very similar to that movie Lights Out, but I've only seen the trailer. Flash forward to summer 2020, my youngest, formerly the toddler, starts staying up later and later at night, sitting on the toilet with her tablet and not being willing to go to bed. It got so bad, we went to bed at 6 a.m. one time, which was when my husband was getting up for work. One night, I went to check on her for the millionth time to ask if she would come to bed, and she told me she had seen a tall black shadow with yellow eyes walk out of her sister's room, catty corner to the bathroom door, look in on her, and keep walking. What the fuck? I had to keep my cool so she didn't get scared because she is a very anxious child and freaks herself out easily. I was like, oh wow, that's weird. And she decided for herself that it must have been her eyes that were tired. For clarification, my older daughter was at her bio dad's house that night. I think that was before I started listening to y'all because I had no idea what a shadow person was. I now get a little freaked out when I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. All right, that's all for now. I know you'll probably get to this in October or December, but it's Easter weekend as a right. So happy Easter, y'all. Hugs and squishes, Hayden P. from Tennessee. I'm really glad you got to see your grandmother and guess kind of have that closure of knowing that she would have accepted you and loved you. But no, I do not want to be you seeing those dark shadows no, 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 no. Abso-fucking-lutely not. And your poor kids seen them too? Uh-uh. You were just talking about the freaky shit that kids say? Uh-huh. That would be the toddler pointing and being like, what's that? I don't know. What do you see? I don't know. Uh-uh. No one's sleeping here tonight? Oh, God, that would freak me out so bad. Okay, the next one. hey yo, you beautiful creepsters. hey yo. <laughs> My name is Kaya, and I want to thank you girls for helping me get through long car rides when I don't want to listen to my dad's loud music and my baby brother's crying. Anyway, I have a few stories for you gals today, scary experiences, and some infamous true crime. Please excuse any spelling errors. I'm writing this in the car after listening to episode 152 of Sinister Sightings. Story 1, Building 6. A little background on my family. I grew up in Hammett, Hemet, K 
California with my mom, dad, and five siblings in a small one-story house. My mom and dad divorced, and a change of events ended me and my siblings in foster care. I finally went home to my mom after a year of being in a foster house. This is relevant, I promise. I'm no longer living with her, and now I'm adopted. One of these stories involves my adoptive father. Anyway, now onto the story. When I was 9 or 10, I was freshly out of foster care and back at home with my mom and two brothers. Being a very curious kid, I was kind of a tomboy, I guess you could say. Always baggy shirts and long shorts with one pair of Converse, the only pair of shoes I liked. I was always tracking mud in the apartment, etc. I wasn't really an electronics kind of gal. Plus, I really didn't like my mom, so I would constantly wander the complex. I think there were about six plus buildings and the rest were just outside sidewalks complete with a closed pool surrounded with bushes and a clubhouse. I would always listen to music and ride my scooter. One day I was playing with a friend of mine when she said her mom was calling her inside. She went inside and I was now by myself with no one to play with. The sun had not gone down yet so I decided to walk around to find something to entertain myself with. Being a reckless kid, I decided I would climb the little wall topped with a gate that enclosed the pool. I held onto the gate and scooted around the back corner that was closed by bushes and a cherry blossom tree. I squeezed my way through and tripped, literally falling and scraping my shins from the sharp bushes. But I pushed through, being a kid that always persevered and never gave up even on the verge of tears. I came to an old pathway that was cut off. It had some steps, but no gate to the fence surrounding the pool, even though it looked like it was meant for people to get to the pool. There was a door that led to the building across from mine, building six, and from what I knew, no one lived in this part of the complex. I was super scared. My knees were literally bleeding, but no, little me won't give up. I shrugged off the uneasy feeling and entered the old building. I was greeted by a musty, crusty, fusty, dusty smell that practically punched me in the face. I was completely silent and the only thing that filled the silence was the buzzing of the old fluorescent lights overhead. The door slammed behind me like all the building's doors would. Most of the apartments were locked and all started with the number six. Like building three, all the apartments start with the number three, and so on and so forth. But I kid you not, the only apartment that was wide open was the one labeled 666. I wasn't going to bother leaving when suddenly, as I stood in the doorway looking in, everything was wrecked. It looked like a tiger had went around chasing his prey in there. I'm talking scratched up walls, busted lights, and splintering doors. Then the door decided to slam shut in my face. When I tell you I almost crapped my pants, I am not lying. I ran as fast as I could, tumbling my short 10-year-old self through the bushes, up the steps, through the door, and down the hall three or four doors down. I still remember my exact outfit that day. A red pair of Converse, a black MTV shirt, and a pair of tan cargo shorts that were right above my knee. Definitely a core memory. Story two, Gabriel Fernandez. Okay, so this story is super graphic. Me and my dad tear up literally talking about this case. It contains mentions of abuse and homophobia, which may be disturbing to some people. This boy was failed by so many trusted adults, failed by the system, and failed by everyone in charge of this boy's case. The story starts with a boy named Gabriel Fernandez. He lived a happy life with his uncle and his uncle's partner. But one day, his grandfather complained that he didn't want Gabriel to live with them in belief that they were, quote, turning him gay. And after weeks of persistence, the judge made the worst mistake of his life. He sent this boy to live with his parents once more. This eight-year-old boy's parents were horrible to him. 
his mom and his mom's boyfriend would do various things to him, like hit him with bats, shoot him with BBs in his face and his private parts, make him clean the cat litter, and if he didn't do a good enough job, they would make him eat the cat litter. And they did all of this because they thought he was gay. He would go to school with bruises and missing teeth, but from what I can tell, at school he seemed like a happy kid. His teacher made reports to CPS and police about what happened, but nobody did anything. 60-plus reports of physical abuse by various people were made, and none of them got paid attention to. Not one. But the thing that hurts my heart the most is that when he went to school, he made a letter to his mom about how much he loved her. He took a picture with his drawing for his mom, in which he smiled and several of his teeth would be missing. One night, 911 dispatch gets a call about an 8-year-old boy not breathing. It was his mom's boyfriend saying Gabriel and his brother were wrestling, and now he's just not breathing. He was taken to a hospital. One of the nurses said in his documentary on Netflix, there was not one part of his body that didn't have something wrong with it. He died a few days later. I'm sure there's more. You'll have to watch the documentary. It makes me so upset. And even worse, he only lived 15 to 20 minutes from where I live now. He would have been 10 years old. Sorry, this was kind of a lengthy email. I have way more stories from my childhood and infamous true crime stories that I can share, and I'll probably send them more when I have the time. All right, creepsters, that's it for today. Love your podcast and your accents. Don't get scared, Kaya. Well, that was a fucking awful story. Yes, I have watched that documentary, and it is so sad. But it makes me angry. You know, and the thing is, too, is that it's like... The people who are so scared that somebody's going to turn them gay are the ones who, like, sexually assault the kids, too. Yeah. I'm like, uh, okay. Because that makes sense. Right. And I just want to be like, to the grandfather, well, I guess it's better than him being turned gay, right? Yeah. You know, like, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Yep. And if you're so scared of that, like, why didn't you take him? Yep. But no, he got sent back to his mom and her boyfriend and was abused beyond description and died. God, it's so sad. It's so infuriating. And he looked like the sweetest child. And even if he wasn't the sweetest child, you know, I mean, oh, nobody. For sure. Yeah, no one deserves that. But just like she just said... Like, at school, he seemed happy and all of that. And it's like, oh, my God, he had such a great spirit. And, you know. Just wanted love from his mom. Yeah. And that's just so heartbreaking. Like, to know there was so much good in him, even when all he was given was bad at home. Yep. Also, about your apartment building, the 666, no thank you. You better be glad you didn't, like, walk all up in there then, because if you did, that the blood on your knees could have been a blood sacrifice. Okay, the next one. Hello, my name is Anna, and I live in Illinois. I found your podcast, and I love it. You guys are so funny. I wanted to share a few stories about my house I currently live in right now. It's kind of long, so sorry in advance. So I moved into this house with my parents in 2018. At first, there was nothing weird about it, until one day, my boyfriend came over, and we were upstairs in my bedroom. Then I went to talk to my parents and my sisters outside in the garage, so he stayed alone upstairs for about five minutes. When I came back inside, I was going up the stairs when I saw my boyfriend standing by the bathroom door that is in the hall close to my bedroom. He looked at me, and he looked so scared. Then he asked me if I had gone in the bathroom. I told him no, and he said he just saw and heard the door open. He heard the doorknob click, and then he turned to look at the hall, and he saw the door slowly opening, so he thought I was in there trying to mess with him, so he got up to look, when he realized nobody was in there. I kind of shrugged it off and thought he was joking or maybe just paranoid, but my boyfriend really isn't the type to lie about stuff like that. Another creepy thing was that my parents told us that the previous owner of the house had left Bibles in every room of the house. The four bedrooms, the two bathrooms, the basement, kitchen, living and dining rooms, and the garage. This obviously creeped me out, but I didn't believe them until I went to the garage and saw one of the Bibles in there. The rest had been thrown out. 
I always pushed this into the back of my mind so I wouldn't get scared until one day I was home alone with my little sister who was 13 at the time. We were home alone and for some reason we had all the lights off in the house, which makes this even creepier now. I had to go down to the basement to get stuff from the washer. So I went down there, did what I had to do, and then I had to go up the stairs. So this house is kind of old. The stairs are creaky, but not too creaky to the point where they're about to fall. But basically, you go up three steps, then you turn to the right, and you go up the rest of the stairs until you reach the door that opens in front of the bathroom door. So I was making my way up the stairs and had just turned to the right when I hear loud, fast footsteps behind me, like if something was chasing me up the stairs. So I obviously got scared and ran up the stairs so fast I didn't even look back. It sounded so loud and so clear that I know for a fact someone chased me up the stairs. When I opened the door, my little sister was standing in front of it, confused and scared because she heard the loud footsteps. And I kid you not, I almost shit my pants. She asked me, what was that? And I said, did you just run down from upstairs? Since the stairs leading up to the second floor are above this basement stairs, if that makes sense. But sometimes you can hear when people come down the stairs from the second floor. But she said no, and it couldn't have been her because she was right in front of the door when I opened it. And she's a small girl, barely weighed 90 pounds, so she wouldn't have made that much noise. She swore on everything that it wasn't her, and I believe her because I heard the noise behind me, and my body physically forced itself to run up the stairs. We were the only ones home. A few months after that, I felt so uncomfortable to sleep in my bedroom upstairs. Every night, I would constantly be freezing, but my heater is the only one in the house that doesn't work, so that could be why. Around the same time, I drew a portrait in art class of Kendall Jenner and hung it up on my bedroom wall. That was the biggest mistake because I felt like she was constantly staring at me. I've always felt watched when I was in my room. I couldn't be in there for more than five minutes. I also started to sleepwalk a lot. I remember getting up and going downstairs and putting my phone down on the table and going back upstairs. I thought I was dreaming until I woke up the next day and couldn't find my phone and it was downstairs. I also woke up in the middle of the night, fully dressed to go to school with my toothbrush in my hand, but I woke up and realized it was around 2 a.m. For months, I couldn't sleep in my room and would beg my sister to sleep with me, but she would end up leaving in the middle of the night because she said she felt like she was being watched. I would cry if I had to sleep up there because I felt this heavy negative energy and like I was being watched. I thought maybe it was just the portrait of Kendall that was creeping me out, but I took it down and the feeling stayed. This went on for months, and eventually more scary and weird things happened, especially to my mom, who got very sick, and we had to call a witch to come cleanse my mom, who we found out had been cursed, and cleanse the house, but that's a story for another day. As of right now, nothing has happened, thanks to the lady who cleansed our house. But my mom says she still sees shadows, but whatever it is, I don't think it's negative. I really believe someone was doing something with witchcraft to my mom, and is why all this started. This is a very long story, but I feel it all connects in the end. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my story. Let me know if you want to hear other stories and hear my mom's story. Um, hell yeah, we want to hear your mom's story. 10,000%. Also, every time y'all say, like, my boyfriend or my spouse or my blah, 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 it's not the type to lie about stuff like that. I'm like, do they lie about other things? But also, Colby's a picker. Like, okay, like today. He was off work and he was supposed to take Jax to the vet just to get a bath and stuff. And honestly, we both forgot. And at like four o'clock, I was like, did you take Jax to the vet today? And he said, no. But then when I got home today, I was petting Jax and I asked him if he had a good day. And he was like, yeah, he went to the vet. And I was like, no, he didn't. <laughs> like, so it's just like bullshit. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, he's just always bullshitting. That's why I'm also like, he wouldn't lie about stuff like that. You know, is that what y'all are talking about? Like, Colby would totally lie about something like that. Though. <laughs> like, not a real, you know, be tricking me. I don't know. Am I weird? Am I reading too much into everything? I don't know. Probably. Oh, and about your Kendall Jenner. I know what you mean, like the eyes following you, because that was always like Jesus pictures or like the tapestries that people would have up, i.e. my Nana. (laughs) Always felt like they were looking at me, probably because I was doing something bad anyway. But I can tell you if I created something, like I drew something, I wouldn't be able to tell its eyes from its elbows. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, the next one. Hello, you beautiful ladies. I'm writing in to tell one of my many sinister sightings. 
I have a weird ability to predict approximately two weeks within a death. I cannot pinpoint as to who it is, but I smell a smell like a funeral home. I know this is super crazy and not very common, and I've honestly never been comfortable telling anyone about this. Very few people know this. My husband is one of the very few. The first time I noticed this was when I was very young, approximately eight. My aunt, which was also known as my grand, only in the South is your aunt, your grandma. Well, she beat cancer twice. The first time she had throat and tongue cancer. I would take my summers and any time I had off school to take care of her. She had to have a third of her tongue removed. We lived on Happy Meals forever. I never want another Happy Meal. Well, first, on a funny note, I was mouthing her and she threw her house shoe at me and hit me between the eyes because she could not get out of her chair. Trust me, I truly deserve this and kids today will never know. But back to the story though. She lived cancer-free for approximately five to seven years. She was diagnosed the second time with stomach cancer. She had to have a feeding tube. She lived very frail, but beat cancer for several years after that. The family was called to the hospital one night because she was on her deathbed. She did not know anyone, but when I walked in, she lit up. She said my name. I laid in the bed with her for several hours. I had to leave long enough to get something to eat. She was about to pass when an RN came in the room. She lit up and made the nurse lay down with her while she passed. A side note, I always wanted to become a nurse. I continued with that dream because of her. I am now working on my RN. To let you know, I smelled the funeral home smell approximately two weeks before that. I was so distraught because I felt like I could have helped her. This has happened several times over the years. But those stories are for another time. Let me know if you want more. P.S. I'm not good at writing these stories. I need help from Creepneys for the next ones. Creep it real and stay safe, everyone. Thank you for reading my story. Signed, Amber. Well, I have a cousin who I call my aunt. (laughs) Because that's what all my cousins call her. And so I just grew up calling her aunt. It's a whole thing. So I get it. Being in the South, I get it. Yeah, I had a cousin we called aunt. I didn't have an aunt I called grandma, though. Hey, whatever floats your boat or, you know, waters your family tree. I don't know. Okay, that's (laughs) weird. That's weird. Sorry about your loss. And I get feeling guilty, thinking like you could have helped her or whatever, but don't feel guilty. (laughs) Don't feel the way you feel. (laughs) I mean, I get it, but you don't have to feel guilty. And you were there for her. Okay, the next one. Hybrid sinister slash sweet sightings, content warning, addiction, eating disorder, and suicide. Hey ladies, as of a week ago, I became a huge fan of y'all's show. How many apostrophes are there supposed to be in the word (laughs) y'alls? Moment of truth, y'all, is Y apostrophe A-L-L, because it's a contraction of you all. So it's Y apostrophe A-L-L, not Y-A apostrophe L-L. Yes. But I do Y apostrophe A-L-L apostrophe S. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Stick with us. We'll teach you how to spell words that don't actually exist. Typically, I only listen to comedic podcasts as I've had my fair share of evil in this life. But something led me to y'all's show and I cannot stop listening and cracking up. I have a one-year-old blue tick beagle mix who demands we go on walks every hour of daylight. So it feels like I've got y'all with me keeping me company. I grew up watching ghost hunting shows on Travel Channel, and even as an eight-year-old, I turned my nose up to Zach Bagan's show when I first saw the trailer before it even got on TV. Does his hair have to be a perpetual state of fright? Anyway, my interest in the paranormal has been lifelong, and I've put my friends and family through it as well. On vacations, I would research if there was a haunting near where we were staying and drag my family on ghost tours. I grew up in Memphis, so for birthday parties, I'd make my friends go on tours in some of the historic places there as well. Haunted plantations, cemeteries, you name it, we trespassed it. I've always been sensitive and have been told by some mediums that I have access to the other realm, but guilt tripping from family and crippling anxiety has kept me from tapping into this potential gift. At best, you could call me a desperately hopeful skeptic. Trigger warning. In my 20s, I coped with my anxiety through alcohol. Somehow, I made it through college, earning a spot on the dean's list, but I would black out nearly every night. 
This continued after graduation, coupled with a severe compilation eating disorder, both anorexia and bulimia. I was deeply invested in an emotionally abusive relationship. Many other traumas ensued during this period, so my interest in the spiritual realm was nowhere in my consciousness. Two years into this relationship, I found out my best friend had died by suicide. I was unable financially to travel back to Memphis for his funeral, but I felt him with me often. I would talk to him in my mind and out loud when I was away from my partner. About six months later, my grandma passed. Luckily, I was able to spend her final week with her in hospice at my parents' house. The last words she said before she lost her ability to speak was when I first got in the door after an eight-hour drive down, oh, you are so beautiful. My grandmother had nine grandkids and numerous great-grandkids. In her later years, she would whisper to my parents, you know Emily's my favorite. Don't tell anyone else, but she's my favorite. We had an incredibly close relationship, and I found out later we lived eerily parallel lives through our childhood and early adult years. So she remained in hospice at my parents' place for a little over a week. Every day seemed like it would be her last. One evening, though, I was passing out from drinking every night in my room upstairs. I heard a whooshing sound, and my eyes shot open. It was about 3 a.m., of course, and I immediately said out loud, she's gone. I told myself I was about to hear my dad open his bedroom door downstairs, hear him come up the steps to tell me. Sure enough, not five seconds later, that's what happened. He opened my door, and before he could speak, I said, I know. It was odd because I heard no other sounds downstairs before this. Between me waking up and the interaction with my dad, maybe 45 seconds had passed. I took a swig of whiskey and went back to sleep. Three nights later, I had a dream where I was in the mall with a friend who had taken his life less than a year before. It was my first dream where he had visited me. I was overcome with emotion, totally lucid, and through tears told him how good he looked and how much I missed him. He smiled and said, there's someone who needs to talk to you. He led me to a room where out of the door walked my grandma. She looked at me square in the eye and said, Emily, you need to stop the drinking. I was blown away and filled with guilt. It had been eight years since my addiction took hold and not a single person in my family had let on to me they knew. I only saw my grandma about once or twice a year in the years leading to her death and she surely never saw me intoxicated. I woke up in a sweat, as one would, and began sobbing uncontrollably. So much shame, and yet I felt an enormous burden lifted off my shoulders. I had been carrying toxic secret of a toxic secret for close to a decade, and I was very weary. This acknowledgement proved that my grandma was still present with me, and this presence remained as the angel on my shoulders, voice through the next year, giving me strength in many situations. However, fast forward to March 2020, before the first case of COVID in my state, my lack of eating for weeks at a time combined with the binge drinking landed me in the hospital. I had a nasty nurse in the ICU who I could hear whispering outside my door for hours that I was just some spoiled brat who wants attention and is faking it. I promise this is relevant and not just me putting her on blast. I was given IV fluids and kept overnight. Waking up feeling much better after hydration and much needed sleep, I called my partner after borrowing a phone charger from a nicer nurse and gave them the update. Then I got on the topic of nurses who should not be nurses. My mom is a retired RN, so I've got the scoop. Apparently at some point during this phone call, I had stood up out of frustration. I'm a very theatrical conversationalist and this had pissed me off royally. My partner relayed later that I told them, I think I'm going to pass out. They heard a crash and later nurses running into the room screaming my name and that I had coded. Heard them using the defibrillator on me before finally hanging up the phone. I had suffered cardiac arrest. The doctors thought I would need a heart transplant. I was life-flighted to another city three hours away to a hospital that had the capacity for transplants. I woke up three days later to the sound of my parents' voices. I had been kept in a coma and on a ventilator so I could not open my eyes. I knew something bad had happened, but even though your girls got mad anxiety, I knew panicking under these circumstances wasn't going to get me anywhere. I had not told my parents I was admitted to the hospital because I assumed I would be in and out and could tell them later, not while they were planning my grandfather's funeral that weekend. 
he was a Christian minister, husband to my grandma who had passed the previous year, and the respected patriarch of my family. Knowing my parents had to have found out about whatever the hell happened through an avenue other than me is something I will spend the rest of my life learning to forgive myself for. When I was removed from the vent, my parents showed me a video they took before I woke up. Sort of morbid, I thought, that they would take a video of me in that state, especially because the doctors didn't know what my brain functioning would be like when they woke me up. The video was them playing some of my favorite songs to me while I tapped my foot in rhythm with the beat and moved my finger like I was conducting. The weirdest thing I was told, I had been conversing with the medical staff and my parents through sign language the whole time. I do not know sign language. They didn't understand, but one doctor found a nurse who was fluent in ASL and said I kept telling them my name, I'm feeling fine, don't be afraid, and they're holding me, they're watching me. At first, they understood this as my awareness of the nurses and the doctors, later my parents as those keeping me safe. Now able to speak and hearing this relayed, I began to cry. I told them I remembered being something like lying on my back, floating in a vast nothingness. Not dark, but not light, just nothing. I remembered feeling the presence of three beings underneath me and cradling my head with the others pushing me back towards the earthly light. As a joke, I've always said that three is my lucky number. I came up with this as a kid and will sometimes knock three times on three different surfaces at 3.33. At least this is validated weirdness. They held me for some time because I had to rest. I had only been sleeping 30-minute intervals for months this time because of the heavy withdrawals and hunger pains. They let me rest. Then I remembered a general warmth that was imbued with a secure feeling that I was going to be okay and my work wasn't done. To this day, I'm not 100% sure who the beings were, but I was visited in dreams several times after this by my grandma. I went into treatment June 2020, and I'm just a month shy of two years of sobriety. In my final lucid dream with her so far, I told her how well I was doing, how healthy I am today. After my words, she began to evaporate into a fine, shimmering mist, and I shouted, Wait, how can I know you're with me in my waking life? Still turning into the glittery mist, I heard her voice say, you'll hear me in the birds, you'll see me in the flowers, and you'll feel me on warm, sunshiny days. Grandma had always kept a vast flower garden and had bird feeders everywhere. We exchanged handwritten letters for years. She loved getting mail, and every single one of her last year, she wrote about how lucky she felt to sit on her screen porch every morning identifying all the birds and watching their day lilies thrive. Today, I work as a clinic health tech akin to a peer support specialist at the recovery center I first went to that June. I found my people amongst other addicts and those suffering from ED and other mental health issues and am happily single. I wanted to share my story because I have shared with peers in the past and it's brought an immense amount of hope. I do have more stories to share, just like many of your listeners who write in, but I felt compelled to start with this one as a form of introducing myself to this family. Love, love, love you guys, and thank you for shining some light into my life. Emily the Freaky Geek. Emily the Freaky Geek, not Freaky Deaky Donna. (laughs) Donna keeps trying to make Freaky Deaky Donna happen. Hey, Morgan got me a cup, and she put Freaky Deaky Donna on it. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Morgan, for making that a reality. And thank you, Emily, for sharing your story. Yes. That's a powerful story, and congratulations on your sobriety. I'm sure there's so many people that identify with your story and are could be at so many different levels of where you are right now from the very beginning to the very end, and so I know that that will help them. Yeah, definitely. And your grandmother was so well-versed. I don't know, it kind of made me want to tear up when she said her last goodbye to you in your dream. I know, I always think, like, if I die, what am I going to say? Because I don't like anything. You know, like, I'm not going to be like, the flowers or the, you know what I mean? Like, there's, you'll find me in your bowl of cereal. Like, that's, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I like nothing. You like it for like a week and then you change it. You're not wrong. That's why I don't have a tattoo. (laughs) I eat giraffes. I still like giraffes. But you're not, like. Obsessed, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I see my mom in the hummingbirds, you know, and dragonflies. But I will tell you, my sister I see in ladybugs 
And as much as I love my sister, those ladybugs have got to go. They always come in like swarms somewhere. One time I had this trailer I was living in and I was like, oh, a ladybug. Oh, Lori. And then it was like, there were like 20 of them the next day. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, like just more of her love. And then one bit me and I was like, oh, hell no. I didn't think they bit. Stung, bit. Yeah, I think they bit. And so we had to exterminate them. But now there's like a colony of ladybugs on my trash can, like on the lid. And I'm like, no, don't bite me. Well, that's a new fear unlocked because I didn't think they did anything. Yes. And it might just be the girl ones that are the, like the orangish color, not the red. Yeah. They're the assholes. Uh-huh. But I love that your grandmother is like... Well, this is a like a pun, but like the flowery description that she gave you, that does seem like it would be in a movie, but it really was your grandmother's loves in life. Yeah. Okay, the last one. My ghost girls. Hey, you beautiful babes. My name is Katie, and I'm from the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, home of the Jersey Devil. Jersey has plenty of stories of true crime and the paranormal. I recently started listening to y'all and became obsessed. I joined the Facebook group as well, and I enjoy being part of this community. I'm going to try to keep this short, but I tend to ramble. I have tons of stories to tell, but I'll start with this one. You can use my name and any others in the story. Here we go. Since I was little, I've always been able to sense and sometimes see spirits. There were times when I could be seen running around and giggling with someone who wasn't there. My dad and brother were and still are mega skeptics. My grandma was the only one who believed me. When I was about 10 years old, I could feel someone new. I was coloring one day and got up for a drink. I came back to see the name Susie written down with a heart. So I said, hey Susie, I'm Katie. And I heard a slight hi in my ear. She has been by my side ever since then. Through talking to her between the Ouija board and just hearing her, she told me how she passed. She said her and her parents were in a car accident and she didn't survive. She doesn't like being caught on camera because her mom was taking a picture of her when it happened. She has helped with bullies and anything going on in my life. As I've gotten older, she looks at me as a mother figure. Flash forward to 2019. I was living with my mom and uncle at the time, which I now know was a bad idea, when one day I sensed a new presence. Mama, her name is Ruby, Susie said. After talking to her, I found out she drowned, but she wouldn't tell me much more. They are both attached to me and go everywhere I go, which is perfectly fine by me. So not much a sinister sighting, But a more relaxed story for today. I'll write again soon as I have plenty of paranormal stories, including the spirit of my grandmother, the spirit of the witch, haunted schools, and many more, as well as a few true crime stories. One thing I can say is that Jersey keeps you on your toes. Love y'all, creep it real, and don't get scared, Katie. You ain't lying. You had everything. I think it's kind of sweet that she sees you now as a mother figure because y'all are friends and you've grown older while she's stayed the same little girl and y'all's relationship has just like blossomed into that. Well, what in the beautiful mind is going on? (laughs) Remember that? I remember that movie. No, do you remember that part though? Like that was how he kind of figured, well, spoiler alert, that was how he figured out that the girl wasn't real because she didn't get older through all the years. Oh, Damn, I can't believe I remembered something about a movie and you didn't. Right? I just remember that was a lot of math in that movie. Wasn't it? You didn't have to do it. Well, it still stresses me out. <laughs> that and Goodwill Hunting stressed me out. I can see that. I watched Goodwill Hunting like nine times before I actually finished it. That's such a good movie. I didn't. It was all right. I loved it. And at the end when... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. When Matt Damon... Is like, I got to go see about a girl. Yeah. And Robin Williams says, like, son of a bitch stole my line. That was completely just off the cuff. Really? And I was like, I fucking love that scene and just love that moment. Yeah. And I was like, we didn't deserve Robin Williams. No, we didn't. 
I don't think there's one movie of his that I didn't like. Well, I've never really seen Jumanji, so I can't really say about that. Still a good one, though. But I don't know why I get a little like, hmm, about this other spirit, Ruby. I think because she's secretive. I don't know. I just need to know more about her. Susie seems fine, but Ruby, I don't know. See, and I'm like, no spirit is who they say they are. (laughs) Thank y'all so much for sending in all these stories. Like we said at the beginning, if you want your story read, send it to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember, creep it real and and don't get scared. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com audioboom. <laughs>